We're continuing the book of Shofetim. We're on the seventh chapter, on the ninth pasuk. I'm going to go back a couple of pasukim. Last we uh, we discussed Gidon had gathered a lot of men for his army from from uh, a number of different tribes in the north. He gathered his army, and then God tells him, "Nope, too many people. That's that's you're not supposed to. You can't go to war with too many people because then you're all going to say." We won the war uh, Not Hashem So God said I gotta winnow out the people Now how did God winnow them out? The first layer of people that left Were the people who were scared of battle And that was how many people? 22,000 And then, and then there, with the 10,000 left uh, He said he brought them to a body of water Like a, a little lake or something And he said Whoever bends on their knees to drink directly from the water will be kicked out. And everybody but 300 of them got kicked out. We said that that was potentially a way of serving Abu Dazara. So the people who were used to bending on their knees to serve Abu Dazara also bent on their knees to drink up the water. And that's why they were kicked out. Now, Pasuk Zayin is God, once he finally has his force of 300 men that he's going to go to battle with, God says, God says to him with the 300 men that drank the right way, meaning that they brought the water up to their mouth, I will save you, and I'll give Midian into your hands, and all of the people, the rest of the people will go to their place, and the, the 300 people, they took the food and the provisions of the, rema- the people that left, and they also took their shofarot. So you have, let's say, as Moshe Kwanim asked yesterday, what, what's the significance of the shofarot? It's because you typically have, let's say, for a, a, a fighting force of 30,000, you'll have different brigades, and each brigade head would have a shofar so he can keep, so he can uh, notify the people when they're going somewhere or something like that, or, or call out to his, to, his, to his brigade. So the assumption is that there are 300 brigade heads total, so there are 300 shofarot. Now all of a sudden you have 300 total fighting men, and they each have that shofar that would have belonged to the head of the brigade. So you have 300 men holding 300 shofar, which is a, a very, uh, in a concentrated ratio. It's not the typical to have that many shofarot amongst that few people. Okay. And then they were on like a cliff, and the camp of Midian was there in the valley. Good. So now, they're, basically, they're standing there, 300 small fighting forces are standing there overlooking the camp of the Midianites. That night, God says to Gidon, Go down into the camp where you see the Midianites are camped, for I have given them into your hands. And if you are afraid to go, you go along with your, your servant named Fura, this is the guy's name, go down to the camp. And you will listen to what they are saying. But, and then once you hear what they say, your hand will become strong. You will go down. And then you will go down in battle to the camp. Now, so then, getting this message from God in the middle of the night, he says, okay, fine. He goes down into the camp of the Midianites at night when pretty much everybody's sleeping. And it's quiet and it's just him. Gidon and his servant Pura, and they go to the edge where people are armed. Okay, so they go to the side of the camp of the Midianites. Now nobody's going to suspect them because it's just two men. Who, who knows who these two men are? It's not like a big deal. But it's a good way to get reconnaissance. 
Now, Midian, Amalek, and the people of the East, which were the three people that we've been dealing with this whole time, those three forces were all laying about the, the valley like locusts in their, in their multiplicity. And they had no number to their camels. They were like the, the, the sand on the sea in terms of how many they were. This is Gidon's mind? I don't know. It's a good question. This is probably what Gidon is experiencing. He's seeing, the, he, he's going down into the camp. And I know, it's probably just the, like the narrator is, is, is trying to explain to you, give, it's giving you a picture of the scene. Gidon is alone with his servant, two men, and they're walking to a camp that has thousands and thousands and thousands of men. Okay. Um, one, one other thing. Hashem spoke directly to Gidon? I don't know. I don't know. It says, Bayomer. Bayomer love Adonai. It seems like it. So that's... Isn't that a big deal? Like, it is. He's, he's just a guy, apparently, but he's not. He's, he must be a Navi then. Because it doesn't say like he asked the Urim Vetumim. It's strange. Remember at the beginning of Shofetim, they did ask the Urim Vetumim. Whenever they wanted to know who should be the first to go out to battle, mm-hmm. they said Yehuda, not let Yehuda will go. They had asked Urim Tumim. I, I, I'm struggling to remember if, if that was the Peshat or that was the Midrash that said that, but according to someone, they were asking the Urim Tumim. Give me a sec. Because the way we're reading this. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Right here, I don't know. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, um. Hmm. Okay, I don't remember. The only reason I'm asking is, he keeps saying he's just a guy. We keep saying he's so flawed. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. And then God is directly talking to him. And you're sitting there like, what's going on? How's just a guy getting having a conversation with God? You're right. It's a good question. Meaning we're seeing that he's flawed, but he's still getting direct nevuah. Yeah. So how flawed is he? Yeah. It's a good question. I don't know the answer to it. How do we know it's direct nevuah? Can it be like, can't like, he just say to him like in, a, in signs or in a dream? Signs and dream with the dew and the, the wool and all that stuff. This is go down and listen. Literally he says, this is what you should do and he does it. I don't know the answer to that, but anyways, he, Gidon is, finds himself in the, at the edge of this huge camp of people, and Vayavo Gidon, this Pasuk Vayavo Gidon, he comes alone to the camp, probably he left his servant a little bit behind him, and he hears that one of the men that are sitting there in the camp of the Midianites is telling over a dream he had to his friend, and what is his dream? The guy said, Behold, I had a dream. There was a cake 
of barley bread. That was flipping around, that was spinning or turning in the camp of the Midian. And this barley cake uh, smashed into a tent and it turned over and it fell and it flipped it upwards and the, can- the, the tent collapsed. So the man that this guy was telling a dream to says, This cake that you dreamed of that's going to come into the people and is going to, it's going to flip the tent and destroy the tent, that is representative of Gidon, the son of Yoash, who will come, the man of Israel. God has given him Midian and the entire camp. Weird, huh? It sounds like it sounds like the guy. Yeah, it sounds like it, it's hard to imagine that these people aren't divinely inspired right now. Yeah. Meaning, meaning, what are the chances that this guy? First of all, do they even know who Gidon is? They know his dad's name. They know this. They, know well, they, they shouldn't know who Gidon is because what was Gidon's response when they first came to him and said, "Be our leader"? When the angel said to him, "Be our leader," I am the youngest in my father's family, and my father's family is the youngest in Menashe. So he's like a nobody. And we have yet to see, he hasn't done any, has he done anything yet? Maybe has he become famous whenever he destroyed the idols of his... He didn't die in the hands of Baal. Maybe that's He it. didn't, he, he destroyed the idols of his father. And then no, he made Baal him his bear. come and kill him and he didn't. Does that make him famous amongst the Goyim also? I doubt it. Meaning he hasn't done any, he hasn't had any military exploits. Nothing. He's... So the guy isn't famous. So for sure, the two men that are talking are divinely inspired. God put the dream in the mind of one and he put the response in the mind of the other. Yeah. And what do they say? That behold, this cake that came and destroyed the tent, that is Gidon. Behold, God has given the camp of Midian into, the Gidon, into Gidon, and, Gidon's tent. And Gidon also now, happens to be there, which is... And Gidon happens to be there to hear it. Yeah. Okay, but anyways, what, however you understand it, this is very reassuring to Gidon, who is probably very scared. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, this is another example of God holding Gidon's hand and helping him through the process to keep him with his, to help him maintain his emunah. What was the first time that happened? Um, when he first saw the angel, he said, do me a miracle. The angel did for him a miracle. The second time? The wool with the dew and then the dew. No, no, no. The second time was, the, the second time we saw the lack of emunah on Gidon's part was whenever he went at night with to the destroy thing. the Baal instead of in the day because he was scared. The third time, Gidon says, uh, if I'm going to go gather uh, an army, I want proof that I'm going to win. Do this, this wool trick. We talked about the wool trick where you put a piece of wool in the, in the threshing floor and the wool became wet, but the threshing floor was dry. And it showed that God could control, could control where he puts the dew. And now this is the fourth time where God is saying... No, it's even more. He did it in reverse. And then he said people aren't going to come. And he called first his family, then he called... His tribe, and he called the other people one right. by one because he wasn't sure. Right, exactly. And even when he was calling, he was gathering his army. He only gathered his family first, and he saw that, that they came. So he said, like, "Okay, fine. Let me gather more people." He called Menashe, and then he came, and then he called the rest of the tribes. Who were the tribes that he called? By the way, do you remember? Did you look it up? It was everybody but Issachar from the north. Nobody in the south. Was but Ephraim was, is south of Menashe, so was it Ephraim? Ephraim? Ephraim wasn't there. It was. It's going to be important. Naftali, Asher, and. And um, Zebulun? It was Naftali Asher and Zebulun? Maybe. 
Remember, it wasn't in Sahar, and we asked why. Like, they're right in the middle, and they didn't bother with them. This was so that the wool thing was after he gathered his army. Yeah. Who are the. I'm only looking at this because it's very important for the rest of the story. Um. Says, Okay, so he does not bring a frame. No. Okay, keep that in your mind, okay? He's not taking a frame with him. Good, next. Whenever he hears, when he hears the, the story of this dream, and the interpretation of the dream that the guy gave, he bows down. He goes back to his camp and he's finally, finally there. He's finally uh, confident and he says, Get up because God has given you the camp of Midian. And he has 300 men only. He takes the 300 people, he puts them at three different camps. And he gives them all horns. Then he gave them empty pitchers. And they were to hold uh, torches inside the pitchers. Now the pitchers were probably big enough that they were covering the, the, the flame that was in, meaning you put, the, you put the torch in it, probably hold it, but there was like a case around the, the, the flame. Like so, a lantern of sorts? Yeah, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't let you see the flame, okay? Unless you took the torch out of the, the okay. pitcher, okay? Now... Uh, Look at me, and so shall you do. I'm going to come to the edge of the camp. And exactly as I do, follow after me. When you see that I blow the shofar, then you all should also blow the shofar. And then whenever you do that, whenever you blow the shofar, you're going to say, you're going to shout, It's like a battle cry. Okay. He takes his hundred men. They take them to the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Meaning, so they would divide the night into three watches. And they had, like you have in the Israeli army, there's a, there's a, sh- a shmirah, right? Like a shift. So they had three shifts throughout the night for people to stand on guard duty. Okay, And the people... Uh, and they decided to go. Gidon and his hundred men went at the beginning of the second shift, the middle, the middle uh, shmirah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. They had just woken up the second group of guards. And Gidon, as he goes there, he starts blowing on a shofar, and they smash the pitcher that was encasing the fire, the, fire, the torch. Okay, so they're, they're blowing the shofar and they're making the noise of smashing pitchers. And then all of a sudden you start seeing the fire. Explosive. So the, the imagery is they have a fire in their left hand, shofar in their right hand. All of a sudden the fire becomes exposed right after you hear extremely loud noises. So it's a very scary situation. And this is the middle of the night when people are all groggy and tired and, and still asleep. 
So all of the other brigades, they blew their shofarot, and they broke their pitchers as gidonder. They took in their left hand their, their, um, their torch, and their right hand they took their uh, shofar to blow. And they said, sword to God and to Gidon, meaning they, did their, they said their battle cry, shouting it very loud. So, to obviously overwhelm the camp. Now, what, how many people were in the camp? Tens of thousands. Oh, yeah. You have tens of, tens of thousands of people in the camp of Midian. And how many people are with Gidon? 300. 100. 100 with Gidon, but 200 total with the other brigades. Okay? Now in the camp, everybody gets up in his place around the camp and they run around the camp and they shout and they run. Meaning they go into panic. Now what happens when they... when We've seen people go into panic before. We saw it in the story of Sisera and Yavin. We said it was actually a pretty common thing for... Uh, for for armies in those days, if there's, there could be a situation in which one person gets scared and he instills panic into the camp and then everybody would start running for no reason. Because nobody, the second three people get panicked, everybody else just responds. You know, it's fight or flight. So imagine you take, you take Gidon, what Gidon did, and you, you start that and they see 300 shofarot and they see 300 flames and Gidon is on top of a cliff. So from on the bottom, they don't necessarily see how many people are behind Gid'on. So to them, there could be 100,000 men that are about to come upon them and destroy them. You said there was 300 for 32,000, 300 shofar. Yeah. So they're hearing 300 shofar. They're assuming 30, it's 30,000 soldiers, yes. exactly. So they all are, are going crazy. And when they go crazy, they already, in their minds, they Lost. think, they think, maybe already there are some Jews in our midst. So they all take out their swords and out of fear, they start swinging it around rapidly. Okay. As they were blowing the 300 shofarot, each man was sticking his sword into his friend in fear. So they all ran away. Um, until a place called Beta Hashita in Sirera, Ad Sefat Avel Mechola Al Tabat. These are places I don't know exactly where they are, but just imagine that they are running away from the battle scene. Now, as Midian is running away, they're being they're being chased down not only by the three hundred men of Gidon, but who else joins the battle? Naphtali, Asher, and from all of Menashe. Not Zebulun, but those tribes of the north that Gidon had gotten before. Now that they are winning, oh, they come. Now that they're winning, they joined in the battle to catch Midian as they're running away, as they're being to, to chase we, down Midian. Are we sure that's what's happening, or are you just describing these are of the three hundred people that are from these places? No, no, no. You're going to see. It's part of the, the theme is that other tribes are going to are going to get involved now. We're going we're going to see it. It's it's clear that this is the interpretation. Okay, so. People gather from all from all other tribes of the north. They chase down Midian. And in the meantime, uh, Gidon sends people to Ephraim, who are in the south of Menashe, and he says, "Go block the passageway of the water." Uh, and the Yarden, Bitbara and Yarden, 
And why would you want to block up the Yarden? To trap them in. Because Midianite, the Midianite people, if they want to leave Israel as they're running away from the battle scene, they need to go east. So they have to leave through the Yarden. So in the meantime, he sends messengers ahead, Gidon, he sends messengers ahead to Ephraim, who are to his south, to block the exit through the Yarden. So then, uh, so Ephraim goes and they gathered by and they captured the place, that place of the water, and the Yarden, so they blocked the exit. And the Ephraim people, they conquered, or they captured, sorry, the two leaders of the Midian. The names were Orev and Ze'ev. These are two famous leaders of Midian. They killed Orev in the, the rock. Sorry, they killed Orev in the rock of Orev. And Ze'ev, they killed him in the, uh, maybe you could call it vineyard of Ze'ev. Wine press. Wine press of, of Ze'ev. By the Fuel Midian. And they continued chasing after Midian. And in the meantime, they brought the heads of these two people that they killed, Orev and Ze'ev, they brought it to Gidon, and that's the end of our chapter. So, so uh, it was a, it's a military route that's done through the, the element of surprise in the middle of the night. Their strategy was to put them into panic. They, they got even, them... They didn't even fight. They didn't even fight, no. They didn't have to use their swords. That was the, that was the miracle. That was, the miracle was that, if you notice, the people, it doesn't even say they brought swords. Yeah. They just brought torches, torches and shofarot. And then the people, the Midianite people, use their own swords against each other. So nobody fought. They run away. And then once they run away, all of B'nai Israel from the other tribes come back to the battle scene and they collapse on them. Ephraim is then sent to capture the exit from Israel. And in the meantime, they capture the two princes of Midian by, by the name of Orev and Ze'ev. Now tomorrow, we're going to see that Ephraim was not happy about this. And they're going to go to Gidon. They're going to complain... Why didn't you invite us to battle at the beginning? Because if you remember, who didn't Gidon gather at the very beginning? He gathered everybody on the north, but he did not go south to Ephraim. So we're going to see that, uh, that contentious discussion. Amen.